Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and for the podcast listeners, um, this episode might be a little bit shorter than usual because there wasn't quite any news I wanted to talk about except for one story, uh, which I'm going to cover of course, and, uh, and, and then also because that was all I wanted to cover, there's been a story I've been thinking about for quite a while, and I wanted to kind of get it out there, and then finally with some events and some people that were talking recently, I decided to you know what to hell that I'm just going to do it this week. So uh, it, that's going to be on this podcast as well. So it's probably going to end up being a little bit shorter than usual, for which I do apologize. But, uh, you know, it's how it goes sometimes with wanting to do this on, on news articles I find interesting. And if I don't find anything interesting, that sometimes happens. But I'll always try to have something, come up with something for you guys. And last week we had like a double episode anyway, because it was like super long, right? So uh, we're going to uh, get right started uh, right away. Uh, so to begin, uh, the first thing I want to talk about was the Spyro Reignited Trilogy. So if you don't know, much like the Crash Bandicoot Trilogy that came out last year on the PS4 and then more current, uh, more recently this year, uh, they have also announced, Activision announced uh, back in March that they're going to do a Spyro Trilogy, which we all kind of saw coming to be honest, but it, you know, it was good that they actually came through with it and it was going to, it was going to happen. And so they, they announced it and then they finally actually had a release date, which was kind of cool. So they had a release date set for September 21st. And then unfortunately, just a few days ago, it's been delayed. And I'm here to tell you that that's a very good thing. And we should be very happy that they did that. And here's why. So first I want to go over the the uh, studio. So the studio that's working on this is called Toys for Bob, and the this co-studio head is Paul Yan. And here's what he had to say uh, in regards to why it was delayed. Quote, everyone here at Toys for Bob is so proud to be reigniting the original Spyro trilogy after all these years. We're deeply committed to getting these games right, so we've decided to move the release date of Spyro Reignited Trilogy to November 13th, 2018. I really hope that you'd be able to rescue that you would be rescuing dragons and scorching uh, Rhinox sooner. But the trilogy needs more love and care. In November, when you're exploring the dragon realms, Avalar, and the Forgotten Worlds, we know you'll agree the extra time was worth the wait. End quote. So that was their statement as it regarded to in regards to why the delay happened. Now you can kind of read between the lines here, and basically the game needed some love and attention. Obviously, um, some of the early rumors coming out were that both Spyro 2 and Spyro 3 were kind of a mess. Like one was working fine and most of what they showed off was part one. And that would also make sense because if you hadn't heard, the other thing that was actually quite upsetting about this, uh, and there's actually a story about that, which was a little frustrating. So this the trilogy originally was going to only have the first game on the disc, and then the other two games were going to be an update. Now, it wasn't as bad as it sounds initially because it wasn't like the other two games were a downloadable code, a one-time use downloadable code. It wasn't that. It was just that the first game was going to be on the disc and then you'd have to update the game on day one to access the second and third games. That's still pretty crappy. And I was tweeting out about this with a few other folks and we all kind of come to this general consensus. You know, if it's sold as a pack, it should include all the games. I mean, that's just basic stuff. Um, but it wasn't going to. And so this actually had, there was quite a bit of backlash about this, and I think rightfully so. And so we had a pretty decent amount of people complaining about it. And then out of nowhere, you know, seemingly like a week later, we hear about the delay. So now 
obviously that could be a coincidence. Personally, I don't think it is. I think with the trouble that two and three were having, part of the reason they weren't going to put them on the disc, if you don't really know how this works, when a company's uh, when a game goes gold, that basically means that the company has sent the final image of the disc to the disc stamping or the disc printing company, and they're going to make that disc based off of that game. So the game's gone physical, it's gone gold is, is typically the terminology. So the game was going to go gold, and that's why it needed an update. Now, it's possible that, because if you think about it, by the time it gets sent out to the, the disc stampers or to the disc manufacturers, there's still going to be quite a, quite a bit of time between when they get sent that file to when the game actually comes out, because obviously they have to print all the cases, they have to print the discs, and they have to print all that stuff. So there's usually, I mean, depending on the game, I've seen it as much as a one to two month delay. So the reason that's important is with this game getting delayed two months, most likely that extra two months was to clean up and to touch up those uh, the other two games, parts two and part three, which would go along with the rumors we were hearing about them being in trouble. And so when, when you look back on it and you say, okay, well, originally they were going to ship the first game and then update to get to part two and three, it most likely was because part one was good, part one was solid, so they can send that disc image with just part one on it to the printer they're going to manufacture the discs and then they can keep working on parts two and three. So during the whole process, when the discs are being stamped and packed and shrink wrapped and all that stuff and shipped back to them, they're still able to work on the game. And so they can have a patch uploaded and ready to go the day that that game hits the shelf. In fact, day one patches are quite common and, and that's quite normal now in this age of downloading and updating with patches is that a game like even God of War had a day one patch because it, it went gold maybe a couple weeks to a month before it shipped. And in that couple weeks to a month, they were still working on the bug fixes and still working on the game so that when it came out, there was a day one update to fix some of the issues they were working on. It's a, it's a common practice. Unfortunately, it's a common practice and it happens. So, um, so that would make sense then as to the delay of the games would be just enough for you to be able to finish the work you want to do on those two games and then get them on the disc. So the reason I'm saying that this is a good thing, well, one delays are, are usually a good thing as much as we don't like them. They're usually a good thing because it's a time to, to make the game better. Now, if it's uh, you know, whether it's through bug fixes and QA testing, stuff like that. So that's part of it. The other part though, especially in the case of this game here is that this delay may have been cause as to why the, the, the second and third games may now be on the discs because of this delay. And part of that rumor came from a YouTuber, uh, the YouTube channel Yong Ya, who cites internal sources at Developer Toys for Bob. And he, he uh, they were convinced that apparently, this is what the inside source said, excuse me, that the Developer Toys for Bob convinced Activision to delay the game in order to make sure all three games were included on one disc. So that's really cool. So uh, the YouTube channel Yong Ya, which uh, I want to say, let's take a quick peek here. Uh, I want to say is a fairly large channel. It, you know, this isn't just some, like, this isn't some drop rate guy trying to get it. So he's got half a million subs. Uh, so, and the guy's focuses on game news and reviews and, and cinemas. So very cool. I mean, the guy has a ton of subscribers. So this doesn't seem like just some BS small YouTuber report. And so, but according to him, citing internal sources, the developer toys for Bob convinced Activision to delay the game, to put all the games on the disc. Now they may, that, that might be true, but more realistic, I think is that the game needed work the parts two and three specifically. And so when those games needed work, they thought, well, 
if we're going to work on them and we're going to convince you to put the games on the disc, the games have to be in a more playable state, which is what we've been going to be working on for this two months, yada, yada, yada. So I do believe that that is what happened. I think that's pretty accurate, I think, to how this whole process works. Um, and, and I think it makes sense also from a customer service standpoint. So obviously it's a benefit to us customers to have it all on the disc. And this also, it's funny because we, we just had this debate last week, right? We talked a little bit about stories involving, you know, we talked about this story a little bit. We talked about stories involving, you know, game preservation. And certainly one day those update servers will be shut down. So if you own a physical copy of the Spyro collection as it was supposed to come out, you were going to really only own Spyro 1. And that's kind of frustrating. Like you're paying, you're not paying for the ability to update later. And if you've updated the game and it's still on your system, you're okay. But what if you get a new system or your system breaks and you take your disc that you bought for full price over to your other system, you pop it in and the update's not available anymore. So you only get Spyro 1. So I'm glad that if this is happening, which we don't have official confirmation on, but if this is happening, it's a good PR strategy on Activision's part as well, because you know, quite honestly, when, when it leaked that just part one was going to be on the disc, that was a really bad look for Activision. It just looked terrible, you know, and we can debate physical versus digital media all day long, but at the end of the day, you're buying a collection and there's no reason that whole collection shouldn't be on the disc. And other companies have done things similar. Konami's notorious for this with the Metal Gear uh, collection. It had on disc, you know, Metal Gear Solid 4 and then Metal Gear Solid HD, which was the original Metal Gear 1 and 2 and then Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 3 and Peace Walker. And then they included download codes for the original Metal Gear and Metal Gear VR mission, or excuse me, Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear Solid VR missions. So again, it's like, well, I'm not really getting this full package. I mean, yeah, the download code's there, but one day that download server will be down and you won't be able to re-download that game. And that's, I think, what's driving all this kind of madness, you know, and what, what, what draws people to be upset about it is because they're, they're, they're trying to become, they want their games to be future-proof. And part of the way of doing that is as great as the cloud is and as great as some of the benefits to digital gaming, which are certainly there, I don't think this is one of them. And, and unfortunately, this is one of the negatives. And companies like Activision, I think, are slowly trying to wean people off of physical. And, and by doing that, they're like, okay, well, you know, people have to have the internet or they have to have a solid internet connection. They're trying to push people into that. Now, what's going to be really interesting in the next couple of years is how any sort of net neutrality rules or lack thereof have to do with the gaming industry as a whole. And if you start seeing data caps or you start seeing, you know, maybe PlayStation or Microsoft have to pay extra for their content to be downloaded at certain speeds, that can really affect the digital market as a whole. Uh, it might even affect if consoles, if there are even consoles in the future, you know, maybe consoles will be the only way to get physical games anymore. You don't know. But it's, uh, but so the, essentially what was an annoying and bad story in that the you know, Spyro trilogy only included the first game on disc. And then you hear this bad news about a delay or what I should say you think is bad news. It's not. In fact, this could be very, very good news. And I hope it is. And I don't know if it will be. Unfortunately, we won't know until we actually have anything confirmed or until the disc is in our hands so we can check for ourselves. So this next part, I want to talk a little bit about something that's been kind of bothering me a little bit in the uh, in the collector's market. So this is going to be a little bit different video. It's not really video game news related. But I want to talk a little bit about something else that I love and that I know a lot about, which is, if you look behind me, game collecting. Um, not only am I a huge game collector, but I, I own and operate a used game store. So I quite enjoy the hobby, not just because I do it as a job, but because it's something that I like to do. And so... 
oftentimes you hear the term gatekeeping and, and I, and I don't like it. Um, and I don't like when somebody else tries to make you feel like you can't get into their hobby because they know more about it than you do. Or they might tell you that the way you're doing it is wrong because you know, it's not their way and you know, they've been doing it longer. So you should respect the way that the, the proper way to enjoy something. Right. And I really hate that. So I'm going to, I've decided definitively on this video, I'm going to tell you definitively the only way to collect used games. There is one way to collect used games, one way only that is the right way to collect used games. And here it is your way. That's it. Part of what I love about video game collecting is that it can be whatever the hell you want it to be. You know, I, I, I choose to collect, uh, it's kind of hard to see cause it's on my side here, but all my NES, Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis games are all mint complete in the box. I don't have any loose carts. I don't want any loose carts. That's a decision I made. And you know what? That's the best way to collect for me because that's what I like. Do you like to get all loose NES carts because you love how they all look bookended and you like to have the manuals with all of them. So you have the manual tucked in the black sleeve and you have them all lined up on the bookshelf. You know what? Then that's the only way to collect because that's what you want. However you want to do it is the right way. And don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise. I've seen, you know, I'm not going to name names, but I've seen some, some, moderate to bigger sized YouTubers who specialize in video game nostalgia almost try to argue that there's a certain way to collect. And, and I hate that. Like there, there is only one certain way to collect and it's your way. You can do whatever you want. I know a customer who comes in my store, great guy. His goal, I kid you not, is literally to get every game ever made. That's incredible. I mean, that's awesome. Is it my way? Absolutely not. I, I could care less for that. And here's a little quirk that it has too. He doesn't care if they have their cases. So even loose discs, he'll grab a stack of loose PS2 games, whatever he needs to finish a collection, he'll do it. And I know a lot of collectors out there, and even myself included at first, you hear that and you go, why would you do that, man? You're killing the value or it's, 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 it looks bad or what? It's not our place to say that, man. It's his collection. And the best part about this hobby is your collection is the way that you do it. And that's what makes it special. Is my collection any better than yours because mine's all complete in the box and yours isn't? Absolutely not. Yes, could you argue something that like, well, mine are worth more? Sure, but I paid more for it. <laughs> so it, it's not like the, the you know, and, and most people aren't necessarily in this for the money anyway. And unfortunately, because of the job I have, which is running my own used game store, I, I get wrapped up in the, in the worth of things. And that's something I, I have a hard time with sometimes, but I'm conscious enough to know that it's not going to affect... Uh, what I think of someone else's collection. If maybe every week, you know, and, and a lot of this has to do with money as this hobby's gotten ridiculously expensive over the last five to seven years. You know, maybe somebody goes and only gets games at Goodwill. Is there anything wrong with that? Of course not. That's awesome. I mean, good for you. Some people only like to buy games at a deal price. So they'll say, well, I only pick up games at flea markets, Facebook marketplace, Craigslist, all the, all the usual suspects. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that either. Just like there's nothing wrong with me when I'm looking for a mint and box NES game, I have to go to eBay most of the time. And when I'm on eBay, do I have to pay at or above value to get it in the condition I want it in? Yeah. <laughs> Does it suck? Yeah. But that's how I've chosen to collect. That's my way of doing it. So that's why it's right for me. And so I, I think about all these games. And I, like I said, I, I've talked to, you know, countless people that are like, one of the things I really hate about this hobby is when people, like I said, look down on you for the way you do things. 
one of the ways I've seen people look down on you too is if you buy your collections, all of it, like buy it online. It's almost like, you know, again, people arguing that that's just, that's just not the right way because their way is to find it out in the wild. That's what makes them happy. And you know, one, not everybody has that time, first of all, but two, you know, some people use eBay all the time. Why would that not be a normal avenue? It's like going to the store for them. And yeah, I'm the first to admit, I find it weird when I'm on Reddit. And again, I find it weird. Not that it's wrong. I just find it weird to me is that like someone will go on to, on the Reddit. There's a game collecting subreddit and someone will say, you know, I just started collecting last week. Here's what I've got so far. And you look at their wall and it literally looks like they've got hundreds of games already. And I'm like, so I mean, it's weird to me because, you know, I do think that part of the fun is the hunt. You know, I don't think the fun is necessarily having all of this stuff. It's finding it. It's, it's appreciating it when you find it. And so, but again, that's, that's my way. That doesn't mean he's wrong. And if the only way he can get this stuff is to go on eBay, more power to him. In fact, I've heard that more times than not having my own store. In fact, I was just talking to uh, a girl and her boyfriend who used to, she used to be a customer of mine for, for years and she moved out to San Francisco and she was back in town just today. And she came to the counter and goes, oh, you know, there's just nothing like this in San Francisco. I'm like, what? How is that possible? And I'm sure there is something like that in San Francisco. Maybe she just hasn't found it yet. But not all these areas have access to these games. So what are you supposed to do? Just not collect video games if you can't find it? You know, a lot of people like to go to flea markets. We, we don't have flea markets around here. Um, the best we get is rummage sales. And I do go rummaging all summer long and try to find some good stuff. And I do find some good stuff sometimes, but rarely anything ever mint in the box for my collection. You know, in fact, I have a list of games left that I have to get mint in the box for my collection still. And and it's something I check eBay for almost every single day. Um, this one here, for instance, Final Fight CD. I talked about this on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Th this took me like eight months to find in decent condition and it's not even technically perfect like if you look at the spine here there's some spine damage there you know but i'm starting to settle because for crying out loud i can't even get these games anymore let alone in, in mint condition so my point though and i'm not trying to draw this out into like some huge ridiculous conversation but my point is i'm sick of the gatekeeping i'm sick of people trying to tell other people what the right way or proper way to collect is there is only one way to collect it's your way do what makes you happy get what you want to get. If, if you've got bad games in your collection, I mean, everybody's got bad games in their collection, but are they bad games? Or are they just games that most people didn't like? And maybe you did. I mean, let me just take a quick look here. Um, I mean, I've got, I've got stuff like this. I got stuff like Tecmo NBA basketball mint in the box. Like, like why? Because I used to play this as a kid. Is it any good? Eh, it's okay. You know, but it, it, I had tons of fun with this game back in the day. You know, I mean, like Spider-Man for the Atari 2600, like this game, this game sucks, but it was like the first one. This is one of my first memories of playing a video game. So it's going to always stick with me. You know, it's like games don't have to be great, you know, to, to, to be part of your collection because they're great to you, you know, and I know a lot of people collecting probably know this already. And maybe I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm also saying this as somebody who I just want you guys to, to, to be confident and happy, but also be aware that sometimes when we're talking about the way we do things, try not to project that onto somebody else, you know, because you don't, and especially where I work, I see it all the time. You know, I'll see somebody mention their collection and I have people almost scoffing at them and making fun of them 
for the way they collect. I mean, that just seems mental to me. We're, we've got one of the coolest hobbies on the planet. And one of the coolest parts about it is it's fully customizable. You know, there's only one right way to fly an airplane, man. So you take flying lessons. There's only one way to fly an airplane. You got to follow the rules. Everyone's got to follow the same rules. When you're game collecting, man, you make the rules. Same with collecting anything, movies, baseball cards, like you do you. And so this is a conversation, uh, a topic I've wanted to talk about for a while, but I, I never really got that final push. And I was talking to Jordan a little bit about it. And he, he mentioned gatekeeping because we've been seeing that a lot more when it comes to collecting, especially. And like I said, you've got certain YouTubers that'll say, well, I don't like people who just buy stuff on eBay. Well, what does that matter? You know, or, or, or people that, you know, have a trunk and they're always trading games with people and then eventually trading up to a game they want. And they're just hoarding games until they, as, as trade bait again, who cares? You know, I mean, yeah, it sucks if it's something you want and you can't get it from him because you don't have any something he wants. But I mean, that's that's how it works, you know. And so anyway, collect how you want to collect. There's one right way to do it. And it's your way. All right, everybody. And that is the podcast for today. Like I said, I knew it was gonna be a little bit shorter one, which kind of sucks. But I like to focus on the story side of it. But there was really only one story that kind of interested me this week. And so I decided, like I said earlier, to to talk a little bit about the uh, the game collecting thing that I just talked about, you know, the, the proper way to do it. I think it was a good little segment. It wasn't quite as long as I thought it would be. <laughs> so the podcast didn't get to 30 minutes, which is like my minimum I try to stick with. But, you know, I guess it's better than nothing. So this is a really short one, guys. I'm very sorry. Hopefully it was still entertaining. Um, but let's talk about my game of the week. And then we will uh, move on from there. So, oh, geez, I should have. this. I do this every time, guys. I don't uh, I don't do this in advance and uh um but let me I got I got one. Yeah, all right. I had to grab it out of the shelf, which is funny because you can't see what I'm showing anyway. But I picked up for the Sega Dreamcast Hydro Thunder. Now Hydro Thunder was a Midway arcade game that was an R an almost arcade perfect port to the Dreamcast. It's an incredible game. It's a racing game, um much like the games like Cruising USA Cruising World, um, you know, Arc Four, Four Wheel Thunder, Arctic Thunder, whatever they called all those stupid games. But Midway was the king of the arcade for a while, and they were making these really awesome, like, uh, standing arcade machines or, or these really big arcade machines where you'd sit in them. And Hydro Thunder was a water racing game. So the, the thing that made this arcade game unique, though, was that you had, um, you had, uh, like uh, thrusters, right? So you had two handles that you would hold forward to go straight. And if you wanted to turn, you had to pull back. Like say you wanted to make a right turn, you had to pull back on the left stick so you killed the throttle. And then your your right side would be kicking and that's how you would turn. So it made everything a little more unique. Uh, you had turbo boosters on the side that you could activate. Uh, it's a lot like um, Pod Racer of the arcade game. It was really, really cool. Hydro Thunder for the Dreamcast. It was one of the first... Um, it, it was It's a permanent staple of my collection. It's a very good game. Uh, and I actually, it was the very first game that I played in a tournament, of all things. Uh, I used to live near Stevens Point, and I used to go to the Wassa Mall a lot. That's where we went to hang out. And there was actually a Hydro Thunder tournament going on. And my younger brother and I both competed in it, and we didn't win, sadly. I should have won. I was very close to winning, and then I got cheated. Uh, <laughs> not really cheated, but just the way the game works. If somebody's behind you and is turboing, and they hit into you, they'll crash you. And basically, I was about to win the race, and I got crashed from behind. But, uh, but yeah, so my brother and I competed in a tournament. And just on a funny side note, uh, we got this, like, demo tape 
for competing in this tournament. And the name of the song was It Sucks to Be You. And I can't remember the name of the band. Damn, my brother would remember. And it is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. <laughs> it just it just really sucks. So look it up on YouTube. Just look up the song Sucks to Be You. And it's it's a really weird name. It's kind of like a punkier kind of punky rock song. But you'll know it. Like the, the name of the band is like, you know what? Tell with it. What am I doing? I'll just look it up for you, you guys. You, you, this is my responsibility. Okay, uh, YouTube. And let's see here. <laughs> this is what a waste of our time. Okay, so I put in sucks to be you. Prozac. Okay, so the name of the band is Prozac. And uh, yeah, um, but it's spelled P-R-O-Z-Z-A-K <laughs> because that's all the rage is spelling stuff wrong. Let me see if we can get a little bit of a, this will be on the podcast, so I shouldn't get any sort of copyright dings with this. Let's Let's listen here for a second. Okay, yeah, that actually didn't work very well because uh, you can't hear, you can't capture desktop audio with this thing unless it plays through the speakers. So never mind. So I won't play it for you. But if you really want to know how awful this song is, go to YouTube, look up Prozac, and look up "It Sucks to Be You." Um, the video is actually animated, so the video is not terrible, but the the song is is pretty awful. So anyway, that's uh, that's my Hydro Thunder story. Go play it in the Dreamcast. If you don't know what Hydro Thunder is, I'm very surprised. put that away uh and then i want to say thank you everybody for listening as always again another short one i do apologize for that but had a little bit of fun there at the end with uh, with the prozac story so thank you as always for listening uh if you're listening to this in podcast form if you want to go to droprate.life it'll take you to our youtube page the drop rate and i would love a subscription uh, a subscribe i should say um we're uh, we broke 2800 we're just climbing climbing trying to get to that 3k um we should easily hit that by the end of the year so we're we're you know proud of that and uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, which you aren't because I don't put this part on YouTube, then you can uh, like us on iTunes. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, um, if you listen to this on SoundCloud, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for Game Talk Radio. Uh, or if you're on iTunes and you want to listen to it on SoundCloud, you can do it there too. So uh, anyway, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Thank you as always for watching. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, bye-bye. Mm-hmm.